Welcome to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women. Each week, we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, women's health coach, and alternative medicine practitioner. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello and welcome back to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women. This is episode 56 and I am super excited today to be joined by Dr. Wendy Lee White, who is a licensed naturopathic doctor and non-diet HAES nutritionist. She takes a nature cure approach to prevention and healing in her clinical practice, teaching and speaking. She's maintained a clinical practice since 2008 and taught at the graduate level since 2016 and in 2020, she was included in Portland's monthly's uh, top doctors in the naturopath category. So Dr. Wendy, is it Dr. Wendy Lee? Is that what you prefer? Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So I'm excited to dive in today. You know, I love this idea we were discussing briefly before we started recording here of the non-diet approach and, you know, taking some of that pressure off of food. So I'd love if you just launch in. I know this is you have your own philosophy and stuff that you teach around on this. So let's just dive into this conversation. Yeah. So um, there's kind of two pieces. One is the non-diet and one is kind of a weight neutral. The HAES is Hayes, health at every size philosophy. Um, and they, they both kind of go like this, right? They both intersect in that from a non-diet approach, I don't believe that food is not important. Food is very important to our health. But I also think that quite often when someone sees a nutritionist or a naturopathic doctor or an integrative medicine practitioner, they often come away with a very black and white set of external rules that really can provoke a lot of agitation or anxiety or stress about what I can and can't eat. And it really takes the emphasis off the internal power and really puts it on that external set of rules. A non-diet approach conversely is that our bodies are brilliant and our bodies know what we need. And so the more that we set ourselves up to hear what our bodies are telling us, the more likely we are to follow either a mindful eating, a normal eating, an intuitive eating, whatever you know, kind of umbrella someone wants to go under. Um, and it's so it's really about setting up that situation where yes, food is important, but it's not important enough to cause emotional, mental and physical stress. So if someone comes to me and says, I really don't feel well when I eat X, like fill in the blank with whatever food, rather than having an approach of, oh, I can't eat X, it, it sets up kind of a conflict and you're uncomfortable. Rather than that, my preference and recommendation is that they say, oh, you know what? I don't feel my best when I eat X. I can choose to eat it, but I know I'm not gonna feel well. Sometimes I'll make that choice anyway and know that that's what my consequences will be. And other times, if I really want to be my best, I'll say, you know what, I'm going to minimize my eating of that food because I do want to be my best for a recording of a podcast, or I have a whole day of patience, or 
for those people who are non-medical practitioners, you know, you have a day when you really have to be on because you've got certain important meetings, you might be a little more mindful of what you eat on those days. But it's not a, I can't eat. That's really the diet approach. The non-diet is I can choose to eat anything I want. And I know how my body re reacts and responds. So I'm going to make choices that align with my needs first. I love that because it brings a lot of freedom. You know, I, I found in my work and for myself, you know, personally, I kind of went on my own food journey and healing journey when I was 20. So 16 wow. years ago. And, you know, I went off gluten and dairy and refined sugar. And I've just kind of stayed that way because I feel better that way. But at one point I got into this, you know, super like I was very restricted and, and felt that, you know, major restriction. And so now kind of like you're saying, I'll make a choice to eat pizza. Mm -hmm. I usually have a headache three hours later and I'm bloated and I feel terrible the next day, but sometimes that choice is worth it. Right. And that's, you know, it's, it's bringing that. I, I like the dichotomy of, you know, kind of bringing freedom to choice and bringing choice back in and also just bringing mindfulness to what we're eating. Cause I also find a lot of people are just completely unaware of, you know, how the things that we're eating are affecting us. So I don't know if you have anything you want to expand on in that. Absolutely. That I think the, like you said, the awareness of one of my first baby step things that I'll put on a treatment plan is to take three to five deep belly breaths, <clears throat> excuse me, before eating. And it allows us to pay attention to our choices. It allows us to slow down it allows us, I also talk about nervous system balance as it relates to food and digestion and absorption and detoxification and elimination. If someone can just sit down and take three to five deep breaths before eating, their body has a chance to switch out of that chaotic sympathetic nervous system mode and kind of come down at least closer to that relax, safety, rest and digest mode. And so by just simply trying to get into the habit. I often suggest to patients and clients to put sticky notes, wherever you sit down to eat, put a sticky note or wherever you tend to stand and do something else and multitask while you're eating, put a sticky note there that says, breathe, sit. <laughs> just so that our nervous systems can really be ready to be nourished. It's hard to allow your body to be nourished if your body is responding as if there's a tiger in the corner of the room and your nervous system's all revved up. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, more often than not, we're eating on the go. We're, you know, in the drive-through lane where like I'm on my clinic days, I'm really guilty of like 10 minutes shoveling food in my face in the back of the office, you know, and just, so we have to, there's intention that needs to happen around, you know, structuring our time so that we have time to eat and, and really being mindful of, not only what we're eating, but how we're eating and when we're eating. And I, I love that, you know, bringing that up. And so I know, you know, we, we were talking before, like around the shift, because so much of the focus with health and, you know, wellness stuff tends to be like food. It's all about nutrition, right? And you and I were talking about, it is not all about that. So let's maybe, what are some of the other areas that we can bring our focus to, to, you know, take some of the pressure off of what you're eating and focus more on other things that can help you heal? So I went into this mostly, I've been practicing 13 years now, and year after year, I'd have so many patients coming in with so much anxiety about 
rigid therapeutic diets or I can't eat anything and they were so afraid for reintroducing and it really was setting them up for to be unhealthy because they were so yeah. stressed out and we know that mental emotional spiritual physical health is all tied up and related and if you're stressed out mentally and emotionally you can't it's harder to get to physical health because it's all connected um so one of the things I like to talk about there are five essentials in my way of imagining it. Um, one is balance. And that's really the state of a nervous system. And again, it's like if that tiger's in the corner of the room and you're ready to fight it or run from it or curl up in a ball and shut down, your body's not paying attention to the digestive tract and the paying attention to the, the being nourished. So we look at the nervous system. The second one is movement, and that has two pieces. One is um, active movement, so that's exercise, although I tend to use movement versus exercise. I do, actually. Um, and then the other part of movement is passive, and that can be through hydrotherapy or saunas or lymphatic drainage or massage or things of that nature. Because we know that when a body stagnates, things that aren't great can happen, right? We wanna keep everything fully nourished, fully oxygenated. So we've got balance, we've got move. Choose is where we look at sleep and chemical exposure. And I like to say designing your calendar so that it reflects your values. So mm -hmm. going back to you know our, our clinic schedules or our weekly schedules, I put things like lunch right through the middle first off and on the days that I schedule clients, I schedule them 15 minutes apart so that I can have a snack or use the restroom or stretch and get up and pet the dog. Um, and all of those are choices we can make. Um, I like to convey to people that hormones that regulate hunger and satiety, some of them like ghrelin is regulated while we sleep. Mm -hmm. And so we physiologically have a harder time making choices that are health promoting on the days after we don't sleep well. And when we start to make those connections, it's so much easier to feel motivated to prioritize sleep when you know that it physiologically affects your food choice and how you perform the next day. So we've got balance, we've got move, we've got choose, connect to oneself, others, and something greater. Even those of us who are introverts, we still are humans and we need a connection. And I think it's important to discuss the something greater that doesn't have to be religion or spirituality. It can be to humanity or the earth or social justice cause, something that makes us feel very plugged in to something really big of which we're such a teeny tiny part. It gives us a sense of proportion of the universe. So there's balance, move, choose, connect, and nourish. And that's where food, hydration, and supplementation come in. And when someone can feel a lot of anxiety about their eating patterns, whether they feel they're disordered or whether they're producing a lot of stress, we can just kind of table the idea of food for a little bit. Yeah look at all of the other things and have conversations about what a person can feel empowered to do, what choices they can change, what new habits they can create. And then when we revisit the food, 
they're often so foundationally set up from all the other life choices that the food issue is really has has been taken down a notch and it's not quite so stressful and they feel like they can explore with mindfulness instead of feeling such a conflict. I don't want anyone to feel such a conflict about something that's so vital like food. Absolutely. And I love that idea. You know, I, so I'm also a certified health coach, which, you know, we're kind of talking in this bridge between doctoring and health coaching where we tell you what to do. And then, you know, we really come alongside and help you feel empowered in your choices. And it's about that. And so, you know, food is a a source of stress. And I, I have this conversation with people like either not eating enough is a source of stress or, you know, focusing too much on food is a source of stress you know, exercise can be a source of stress. We, we already touched on that. Yeah. And it's really about tapping into your body and focusing on like, okay, what is the thing that I can, you know, be empowered in working on right now? Like, is it going to bed on time? Is it mm-hmm. developing a deeper connection with my spouse or my partner or my kids or, you know, like all of that can start moving you towards a better state of health and well-being. It doesn't just have to be these things. I love that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think um, in my in my intro in my bio, you read about the Hayes H A E S Health at Every Size philosophy, and and yeah. really that's a philosophy that looks at the fact that overall health is so incredibly complex, and it it just again takes that emphasis on food and weight off and. Um, health at every size says, you know what, weight loss should never be the target or the goal because it's not something we can um, easily change. The focus can be on food choices and sleep and all the other things we just talked about. Those are habits that we can actually tangibly change and weight will do what it's going to do. Some people are meant to be larger bodied and other people are meant to be smaller bodied. It just is biology. Yeah, I love that. And just taking the pressure off because I feel like there's such a you know, tendency to feel this pressure to be a certain size. And so much of it's driven by society and so much of it's you know, driven. And that's honestly like the number one thing I hear from most of the women I work with is, well, I need to lose X I- amount of weight or I should weigh this much. And I'm like, okay or we can focus on healthy habits and just see what happens. And, you know, so often we hear about like those stubborn last five pounds or last 10 pounds. I'm putting that in air quotes, last five pounds, last 10 pounds. And I often suggest, what would it be like to accept that that seems to be where your body has found its balance? You know, people talk about their, their target weight or their healthy weight. And to me, someone's healthy weight or target weight or set point, whatever the language is, is really that point at which it hangs out with very little extra effort. You know, if someone says, oh, if I don't work out for two hours every day or one hour every day, my weight goes up. Well, then your weight is not meant to be as low as you have it. You know, if it takes that little variation. Um, And I think so much of our culture feeds us those stereotypes, right? Feeds us that images, the before and after pictures or the the rip and shred as far as the exercise goes. And, you know, part of choose in my five essentials is to curate what you 
who you follow on Facebook, who you follow on Instagram, what TV shows you tend to watch so that we can try to minimize getting that input all the time, all the time from everywhere. <laughs> there yeah. should be some places that we can find a break from all that pressure. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I, I, it's not, it's kind of like this interesting dichotomy because it's not bad to have goals, but there's like being realistic and having love for yourself. Right. And, and just, you know, taking off, as you say, like getting out of the pressure cooker of, you know, I have to be a certain way. And it's, it's not easy. I mean, no. It, you know, <laughs> no. I want to love myself no matter what, no matter if I'm looking in the mirror naked no matter if I'm dressed up to go somewhere or if I'm in sweats and a ripped t-shirt. Like I want to be able to 100% know that I'm worthy, I'm valuable. And we don't get those messages as most of us grow up in mainstream American culture. And yeah. I think the more we can, again, curate what we're following and who we're listening to, um, I've done a great job in my Instagram feed for people that I follow are often in the weight neutral, body positive, non-diet. So I'm not seeing the before and after pictures all the time of people's bodies. And, um, and there, again, there's nothing wrong with I'm proud of myself because I got healthier. But if we're just looking at the pictures and saying, well, by default, because I'm thinner, I'm healthier. Like that's not a true statement. No, not at all. And that's, uh, we can talk about this, you know, the definition of health as like society says is, well, if you look good and you feel good, then you're healthy, right? And that's not the case at all. There's so many examples I can find of how that's not true. Yeah. Um, you know, in my early twenties, I was incredibly sick. I had gotten down under a hundred pounds I had a mainstream allergist just laugh at me and say, huh, you should publish your diet. Everybody wants to lose weight. Now I was there because I was a mess. I was so intolerant of foods. I was super sickly. I was wasting away. And she laughed. Everybody wants to lose weight. You should publish your diet. And, and that's the culture that we're, you know, we're bathed in throughout the decades of our early lives. And and if I can just switch that for as many people as I can reach, I think that's super important to know that weight means nothing about health. There are a lot of really thin, normal weight, unhealthy people. There's a lot of really larger bodied, healthy people. Like it, it just, it doesn't, doesn't correlate. Yeah. And I think we um, are really working on that upstream battle with the medical community to really question um, a lot of the statements that are just assumed to be true. Like we're, we're beginning to, to question what's valid and what's not. Yeah. BMI would be a great example. Absolutely. <laughs> I have big issues with this. So. Agreed. Absolutely yeah. agreed. You know, there's this great, um, I mean, any, any study could do this, but if you imagine the weight and height graph of a BMI, if you have a certain BMI, it tells you nothing about your body fat, your body composition, like it doesn't correlate with no. revival, mortality, morbidity, nothing. And so it's just some people are larger bodied, other people are smaller bodied. Yeah. You know, for example, in that, like the BMI scenario, you know, every 
weightlifter we call the meathead at you know in chiropractic school with me <laughs> that were like two percent body fat and just built were considered morbidly obese by bmi because there's no you know adjustment for like hey you have a bunch of muscle um yeah so it's one of those things so that was a side note but you know there's I, I think it's important just to bring light to like there's these standards that we try to live up to that are really well designed we'll just no. say that yeah Absolutely. and again the more we feel pressured and less than or needing to rely on some external influence the more we set ourselves up for failure, for feeling guilty, for feeling inadequate, when we're holding ourselves to a standard that doesn't apply to us. Yeah. And I think um, the more we can shift, again, like I, I talk about that internal versus external so much, because if we rely on other people's external rules, if it doesn't apply to us, we don't assume the rule is bad. We internalize it and say we're weak or we failed or you know all the all the beat up stuff for ourselves. Whereas yeah. if we shift the focus on learning more about our own individual bodies and deciding that we can trust our gut and we can use that gut feel and again putting that in quotes but it's physiologically connected to our brain to guide us with what we need and really that's the foundation of naturopathic medicine is knowing that we're incredibly designed and we're resilient and we have these positive and negative feedback loops built in that can help guide us in our interactions with the world to feel better and feel healthier or feel a little more irritated, but we have the power to do any part of that gray area, not black and white, but all that gray area in the middle. I love it. So for women listening to this and, you know, they're realizing that maybe we've, we've bought into the standard that, you know, put a bunch of pressure on ourselves, have kind of this, you know, beating ourselves up, kind of have safe self-hatred of our body, whatever that is, how do you suggest getting started? Like what, what would be a first step to take? You know, we've talked about a couple of things, but to yeah. shift away from that focus on food and, you know, and just look inward, where, where would you start? Some sort of mindfulness, breathing, journaling, prayer, therapy, something. Yeah. That, um, serves a couple purposes. One slows down, which encourages our nervous system, again, to go kind of towards that parasympathetic safety, rest and digest mode. Something that helps us um, be able to tune in. So quite often we've been so disconnected to our bodies where maybe when we were young, we used to say things like, oh, that, you know, my tummy hurts. That makes me feel yucky in my tummy. And we were told, oh, don't worry, you're fine. Go ahead, you know, and kind of push through it and ignore it. After years of that, our bodies kind of stopped talking to us, stopped giving yeah. us that information. And so sometimes when I ask someone to like tune into their gut and see if they can describe it, describe the sensation. Sometimes the gut, because it can be so powerful and because it was so shut down, mm -hmm. people have a hard time. So I kind of start with like, hey, check in with your right knee. Is it warm? Is it cold? Can you feel your jeans on it? Can you, you know, like just check into parts of your body that don't have a lot of charge 
and get good at it and then say, okay, can you check into your pelvis? Can you check into your heart or your lungs? Can you check into your belly? Those are the, maybe the more emotional, emotionally charged areas, but hey, what's happening with the left piggy toe right now? Like, huh, (laughs) it feels a little squished, you know, like it's just, that's the practice. Um, And I think in our culture, we want things to happen quickly. Yeah. And, and this isn't, you know, if we've been doing this for 40 something years, give ourselves some time to practice baby steps, notice the difference, pat ourselves on the back, gain that confidence, and then just continue making maybe bigger baby steps or normal steps or wait, I can make a leap this month. But, but really um, slowing down, tuning in and taking it slow that there, there isn't any magic quick fix to undo the 40 something years of shutting ourselves down. Yeah. Overriding, you know, even I think an example is um, if, if I were to get a headache, mm-hmm. mainstream would be like, take something, make it go away so you can keep being productive. A shift might be, oh, could I pause and say, am I hydrated? Am I tense? Do I need to stretch? Am I overtired? Am I hungry? You know, so all of those different reasons of why I might have a headache, rather than knee jerking, just make it go away so I can keep moving on, checking in with, hmm, what do I need? And really starting there. It's working in this natural medicine, non, whether it's non-diet or weight neutral or natural at all, is just really taking more time, more pause, mm-hmm. or looking at the underlying rather than just making assumptions, stopping it so that we can continue being efficient. Yeah, I love that. And it's so ingrained in our culture to it just is. be efficient. Yeah. I like to tell the story of, I studied abroad in uh, Vienna, Austria. And while I was there, I was studying violin over there, which was like really intense, but I had this big <laughs> concert. <laughs> And I was super sick. I had this nasty sinus infection and I just felt terrible. And I went to a doctor over there and he was like, stay home for a week and do steam every two hours and, you know, just rest. I was like, that's amazing that you right? did that, but I need to play in this concert. Give me <laughs> yeah. like, um, yeah. You know, and it, it was so different from like our, you know, and, and Western medicine here is in the U.S. is different from other places I would I would say even in of itself but you know it's that pause and that going internally and you know when you're really looking at actually like transformational change to your health a lot of it sounds super simplistic but it's it's about making that shift away from you know give me the thing that's going to stop how I'm feeling so I can keep doing what I'm doing to like maybe I need to not be doing what I'm doing (laughs) right and you know a lot of that transition from mainstream to more of the natural medicine, a lot of my patients would in the beginning just, you know, well, give me the supplement that's going to let me continue doing what I'm doing. And, you know, in the beginning, I did that more often, way more often than I do now. Now I'm like, if you're looking for a quick fix, I'm probably not the practitioner for you. You know, I'm always like, I, I think that this is lifestyle, right? This is changing your thinking and your habits and your priorities and your connections and all of that. And not that there's any expectation of perfection because there isn't, we're all human. We're all, I can't, I can never decide if it's perfectly imperfect 
or imperfectly perfect. But regardless, like that's us as humans. So as long as we kind of make more choices that align with our needs and less choices that don't, we're probably moving in the right direction. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think I'm in the process of, of creating some group programs. And I think the benefits of that is because this is about creating community that's making these choices and, yeah. and finding like-minded people who aren't going to look at you crazy, family and friends, when you're trying to live in this way that might be a little bit more different from, from others around you. Yeah. I'm actually launching a group program this month as well. And I've, I've created a group aspect to the one I've got. And, you know, for those listening, it, it just adds another level of, you know, people are sometimes wary of, well, I don't want to share my health stuff in a group, Mm -hmm. but when you find people who are aligned with, you know, your way of thinking and what you're doing, it really helps like just bring another layer to, I'm not alone on an Island, which is how, Right, which is how many of us can feel if we're surrounded by our family of origin who might not be natural minded or, you know, the idea that I choose what I eat so that I'll feel better. And I've really gotten good at determining what foods work for me and what foods don't work for me so much, you know, and I can go just about anywhere. Now I live in Portland, Oregon. It's incredibly easy to go and have your dietary needs met, right? Portland's super progressive. (laughs) Yeah. And I can go anywhere. I can go back to New England. I could travel to the middle of the country and I can find food. It's not stressful for me. I know what works for me. I know what doesn't, but you know what? I have enough resiliency built in that I could eat for a few days on foods that didn't work for me and not get a migraine or not get sick. That wasn't, you know, that didn't used to be the case. But through time and experimentation, I have found a way to increase my resiliency. And I think, you know, a lot of people, often a question that comes up is like, can I never eat this again? And rarely is that the case, except for a true food allergy that's going to cause you anaphylaxis. Yeah, really shouldn't ever eat that again. But, you know, if someone's intolerant or sensitive, the idea that they can build up resiliency Mm -hmm. and you know, have that flexibility, flexibility later in life, I think is really important to know. Nothing. I agree. Yeah. And a lot of it, you know, cause I do a lot with eliminating inflammatory foods and, but only for a time, you know, a lot of it's like, we need a reset, you know, yeah. a lot of, even if you've taken a lot of stuff out, there's still something that causes inflammation, usually if you're still feeling crappy. And so it's about the reset. And then eventually you can bring the things back and there might be things that never work for you. Like for me, it's dairy. Mm-hmm. I get a sore throat within a few hours of eating it. And so I just know that sometimes I decide to, like I, I shared about pizza earlier, but you know, I know that for me, like that's just always going to be something that I, I don't really do much of. And it's not the end of the world if I have some, but you know, I know to not. And I think those therapeutic diets used on a short term, it's like you said, to remove the things that are irritating you. And by removing that, it gives your body the ability to kick in and heal itself you know? Yeah. And it's funny that people don't trust that we have that healing ability. Like if we break our arm, sure. The doctors, you know, put it in line to make sure when it does heal, it heals in a straight line, but it's the body that like literally grows new bone to heal it together. And if the body can do that, why can't the body heal an irritated digestive tract or 
heal something else that's out of balance. You know, I think our mainstream medical has taught us that things are just, you get this diagnosis and that's the way it is. But you know what? If something happened to form that diagnosis, why can't we unform it? Our bodies have that ability. They do. And yeah. We're totally on the same page with this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, side note, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. But, you know, I found it really frustrating listening to a lot of politicians talk through, you know, 2020 with COVID and all that about, you know, like they'd start, they'd be on the right track with our immune systems are great yeah. and we need a vaccine. And I'm like, our immune systems are great. And I, I'm not here to, you know, say anything about vaccines, whatever, but, you know, we have to have faith in that. Even if we have some new virus out that we've never seen before, like our bodies are capable of fighting it like yes there's things that you can do to to help support that but like you know we have to rediscover that faith in our body's ability to do what it was created to do which is absolutely pretty awesome it so. is it is and you know to come back to that point we are created amazing we do have this wisdom that heals itself and um yeah put all the emphasis on that internal what can my choices be to help support that Absolutely. 100%. Awesome. Well, Dr. Wendy Lee, it's been awesome having you on. I've enjoyed this conversation a lot. Um, I'll put it in the show notes, but for people who, you know, want to connect with you and, and just kind of follow someone who's not all about the post and pre and post pics and all that stuff, where can they find you? Yeah. So my website is drwendyleewhite.com and Lee is spelled L-E-I-G-H for those listening and not reading. Um, and I can be found on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube under the same, um, but my website's a great place to start. And then everything else is linked from there. Awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes. Perfect. So thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was fabulous. I agree. Thank you for tuning in to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Each month, I'll select one lucky reviewer to receive a special Impeccable Health sample kit from me. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me in my private Facebook group for high-performing women who are ready to transform their health and lives called the Tribe of Rejuvenated Women. There you'll have access to free trainings, a community of like-minded women from around the world, and even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become vibrant, energetic, and on fire. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about.